Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here, you ready? You don't think that lame match play where I run down field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Welcome into 11 personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett talking to you after a not so exciting week for the Kentucky football program. Like it, it was, um, it's hard to win a football game when you turn it over four times on the road. Yeah. And nine possessions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, going back on this game, I think like all these things can be true. Number one, it was 
a bad matchup for Kentucky. What Mississippi State does on offense is kind of what Kentucky dares teams to do. And the defensively, Mississippi State, they they want to win the efficiency battle on both sides of the ball. So they are not going to let you run the football. You're going to have to get explosive plays off them. And that's not something Kentucky's doing really well right now. It's creating explosives. So you add that up um, with that. The, the, it was a huge game for Mississippi State. Homecoming, brought the baseball team back, hosting a ranked team. If you don't win this game, if you're Mississippi State, your season really can go in a tailspin. So Kentucky kind of walked into a hornet's nest off a of bye week, off a program-defining moment potentially in the game at Georgia. And then Mississippi State made every play. So, like, in a game where there's going to be plays that are to be made, Kentucky drops pass breakup. Yeah. Yeah. Mississippi State turns – two pass breakups into interceptions. Havoc rate. Kentucky had a higher defensive havoc rate than Mississippi State, but Mississippi State was able to turn their those into turnovers. And then you look at the specific turnovers. They're bad. First and 10, you just cross the 50, first possession of the game. You, you draw up a shot play. Uh, just a bad throw. Interception. Yeah. Guy makes a really good play on the ball. Um, juggles it, but still makes the interception. Second turnover, really kind of aggressive coaching there, I think, by Mark Stoops. You get a big punt, pin them deep. You call timeouts when not a lot when you hadn't had a lot going for you in that half. You get field position. You go and score. You get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Quarterback doesn't cover two right. Um, Isaiah Cummings gets too jammed inside on what's supposed to be what looks like a fade route. Um, a tip ball turns into a diving interception at the goal line. And then you come out of half. Well, and to that point, like quickly, how many times have we seen Kentucky actually go for that score before half? And right. then, it yeah, it works. doesn't happen a lot. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they were in scoring position, and you know, you, you miss Josh Ali open for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like, you, if you just put it on him, that's a yeah. score. And instead of getting seven, you throw an interception the following play, yeah. and you, you even take away the chance to get three and make it a one point game. And both of those. Turnovers are on first downs, so you take away bare minimum four total plays there that your offense would have gotten. Then you come out of the half, defense gets a stop, forces a field goal. It felt it, everyone knew that was a big possession. Like you didn't have to score there, but you needed to at least mm-hmm. get a f- couple first downs, play field position. Um, we can get into Chris Rodriguez, you know, Chris Rodriguez utilization if we want to, but biggest possession of the game, they go to him twice, he fumbles. Mississippi State gets the ball just outside the red zone, scores a couple plays later. Next possession, you're down 24-10. It's all right, you know, you're absolutely in the danger zone. You got to score this possession. Come out, batted ball, defense alignment gets an interception. Boom. And it, Wondell was wide open on the RPO slant or glance route. And so the, then the game's over at that point. And so not much bounce Kentucky's that way, but it was pretty clear that they weren't they want they Mississippi State brought a lot of intensity and fire and want to and readiness to that game. And I don't think Kentucky really ever matched it and really wasted a, an awesome special teams performance because because if you score a non-defense or if you score a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown, any non-offensive touchdown, you should expect to win a game, especially a game where you, you should be pretty easily pretty matched. Easily matched. Yeah, yeah. That should be that really should be a turning point in the game. And they weren't able to take advantage of it. They weren't able to get important stops on defense. They didn't play complimentary football at all. 
um, really. The one time their defense does, the offense goes and turns it over. Mm-hmm. And also, you could call it an all systems well, failure. Shout then, out Rich Brooks, but yeah. it was just a bad, bad night. But you even had um, with how this team has played. After the uh, turnover barrage, they went down and scored. The defense gets a stop, and then immediately three and out. It, yeah, <laughs> but even then, okay, they get the oh, well. One, if we want to talk about the officials, the officials don't replay an incomplete touchdown pass. Yeah, that's my guys up there eating nachos. Then right after that, a Mississippi State guy calls a fair catch. They don't whistle. They run the play. Vito Tisdale gets hurt on a kickoff that should have been blown dead from the start. Yeah. What I are mean, we doing here? I don't – Guys. In here, um, to your point, too, the – we can complain about officiating all week, but, like, just – There's no little... excuse for the booth. I, like, the, the guys on the field stuff happens. Yeah. But the booth guy's up there, and he gets, you know, what five, six replays to review. He's looking at everything, like – it's clear as day, really, on the both of them. The Georgia one with the spot, and this one, like, what's the point of having replay? It's pretty like, what is he like? That's my question. Like, are we even? What's the guy doing? Like, did he go to bathroom break? He's just, you know, he's got to go smoke, get a smoke break in during the game. Like, what in. are we doing? Is he up there eating nachos? Like, what is going? On? Why is he's it? Why is this the, stuff he's trying reviewed? to fix the coffee maker? <laughs> yeah, I just like it's. Is it? I thought is a guy in Birmingham, isn't it? Or did they send the guy to? The stadium. See, I think he's no, in they, they, now. No, no, no. They uh, well, maybe I need to go knock on the door, make sure. He's yeah, because the I I know a replay official pretty well, and I even saw him at a Kentucky game. Uh, okay. The the one I know. So they they send people re, they send replay officials to games. See, still. I thought I went to the control center there in Birmingham. No, no, they still now they might have a guy that they can talk to in Birmingham as well. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a replay official on site and who's messing things up. Yeah. Now it's still. Even if they get those calls right, four turnovers is four turnovers. Like you, you, a minus four turnover game, you can't overcome. And even if Yusuf Corker picks off that pass and makes it minus three, it's still you. You can't leave that many points off the board in a seemingly toss-up game. And look at I, I think a lot of this boils down to very simply that w- we had a Will Levis regression game. He played bad. I mean, yeah, and it, was, I, it was a Florida game all over. I know, and I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what it is to, but it, but it, particularly on the deep balls, like we haven't. Well, when was the last deep ball he hit? Truly bomb. LSU, he hit a couple. He didn't deep. even hit. I mean, he didn't. The one big one was the rig on the RPO where the guy just yeah. was uncovered. He and then he hit a like a twenty-five yard wheel route. But I'm if you're talking about. A dialed up deep shot, like the one they where Max Protect hit Robinson, or where you run a yeah. post or whatever. A he hasn't hit one since Missouri, I don't think. Yeah, and, and I can't. I don't like, think he hit a. He didn't hit a true big. Well, actually, he hit a one big one to Robinson against Chattanooga. So, okay. but first three weeks they were producing a lot of them, and they've all but disappeared. I, and, the way the coverage is working has changed, but he's had shots and he's been able to. He hasn't well, been able to hit. And I think. Some of it, you have to say, teams are taking them away more. So we could see that obviously, like at Georgia. But that first throw, he just he underthrew Robinson. He just yeah, he's open. Yeah, I mean, get just make the throw. You know, like he he's missed some, 
And I really feel like he's one made throw away from kind of maybe regaining yeah. his confidence. But as Stoops said on Monday, this this game, it was a lot about, I think Mississippi State showed a bunch of crazy stuff pre-snap. And when the pressure came, instead of relying on his preparation, he went back to getting happy yeah. feet. And we got it was, a uh, kind of well, Terry for- Wilson, Patrick Tolles reincarnated performance down in Starkville. It definitely looked like Will Levis and Liam Cohen's first time going against that Rocky Long 3-3-5. Gap cancellation defense, slanting, stutting, bringing blitzes, dropping D-linemen constantly in the zone. Because, I mean, the def- that defense, you, you only get – you have to see it first. And then it, once you see it and you kind of get used to their blitz structure, it's a little bit easier to take advantage of. But, you know, it was just like – it was just bad. Execution was really bad. I don't think they probably should have got maybe – I think if you could go back and watch it, you would have wished they maybe would have got Levis out on the perimeter some, run him a little bit. Um, I still think that's something they need to do more often. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, there's stuff going on with Chris Rodriguez. Yeah. Which- Stoops won't say it, but I, I think he's just playing – I think he's playing through a legitimate injury Yeah, at this point. I, All the my, signs are there. My guess, this is my guess, because he referred to it, you know, stuff happens at practice last week. Uh, my guess is he took a face mask to the hand and has, like, a broken knuckle or, I don't know, something weird. Because you noticed that he threw the gloves on, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't putting those gloves on unless he felt like he needed to. He drops a toss sweep, like – Something's going on with his hands. He, he felt like the way he fell on the fumble that wasn't a fumble was awkward too. Like, well, that the fumble, like the last fumble where he bumps into Dare and just drops the ball, the South Carolina fumbles. Um, and if you go back and watch that that goal line fumble against Missouri, his left wrist takes like, the guy hits it, puts his helmet right on his left wrist. And he drops the ball. And I think he hurt that wrist. In. And I don't know how severe it is, but I think that's still bothering him. He's got like a pound of tape on both his wrists. And if you look mm-hmm. at the other backs, Man. no one else has a pound of tape on their wrist. <laughs> yeah. And they also didn't have McLean to go to. The running game in general. Well, they, but he was on special teams. I, I don't – like McLean was out there on special – on kick coverage. So, do we think it's more of a Cohen is hesitant to – go to the run game or or because well, I, I, I think a lot of it is being patient with the running game well is you it, only because because really that's that's the, the 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 big overall problem with the Kentucky offense right now as bad as will Evis played the only alarming thing you can take away from the last two weeks is that in the two losses Kentucky has not ran the ball Georgia yes. can be an exception but is this a running backs are injured problem is this a the defenses they're playing are very good or is just Liam Cohen not being patient enough as a play caller to let the running game to truly try to establish the run I think the Georgia game's a one-off I think Kentucky did come out committed to the run and tried to run the ball it just wasn't working in the Georgia game they didn't have the snaps in the Mississippi State game that gets back to the complimentary football turning it over on first down Defense not getting quick stops to give you the ball back. And they got in places where they it was a pass-first situation. More, I bet they've had more pass-first snaps than, you know, even snaps in the game. 
where you're down multiple possessions or in the half where well, you kind of have to pass that's it. That's true. There, there was also two possession where you, I, I believe it was the field goal possession. They run it down to like the 30 and then three incomplete passes later, they're kicking a field goal. Yeah. There's a reason why no one has ran the ball more than 30 times against Mississippi state this season. Yeah, that's true. So they, they're they're diving and they're taking it away. They want you like that's what they're they're just. This is what we're stopping, you know. So like, it, that game was never going to be a game where Kentucky was going to run the ball forty five times. So even with it, Chris Rodriguez healthy, like, like what you wanted in that game for him to get twenty three, twenty four, and like get like hundred and twenty yards, and then see if you can steal some yards with Levis scrambles or another back or like. Wandell in the rounds, and but you had to win that game. You had to get explosive plays, and you were going to have to probably get them in the passing game. So there was really no getting around. Like, Will Levis had to play well for them to win that game. There was really no getting around that. Well, um, And that's just – that didn't happen. And, like, you know, it, the offense had, shares a lot of blame, but they were over 50% on third down. The defense just didn't give them enough opportunities. But they also put the defense in really well, bad spots by yeah. handing them – Two turnovers right there that took away 14 and, points, and then their turnovers they had took away points on the other end. So, look, at, in answering my question, I think you've reached my kind of conclusion of the game is, is that I'm not too terribly – like, th- this game did not reveal a bunch of, like, big-time problems and cracks in the foundation – like Kentucky turned it over four times when they in a toss-up yeah. game. They needed well, their quarterback to play well, and he played performed poorly. The defense, well, I mean, like, I mean, if this was the turnovers be are an issue. Like, co- like, right, right, know, right, right. There's right. only I mean, so much he can do as a coach, but oh, like, if bad stuff keeps happening, obviously, like, that's on the guy who makes you know seven hundred thousand dollars to fix it. You're right. You're right. But I, I will say, like, Levis having a bad day is what I chunk up this game to almost as much as anything, because hell, uh, if you take away, I, I, I don't like playing that game, but the, the two short fields they gave them, if that's 14 points off the board, you should be able to outscore a, a 17 point Mississippi state team. You know, I mean, the defense, yeah. they, they came up with a couple stops. They forced a couple field goals. Um, they, I mean, they booked up big, Right before half, I mean, it was a 17-10 game. The offense hadn't really done anything, but they still had a chance, and things spiraled. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I'm not – Yeah, I want to get the defense here in a little bit, but I want to focus on the offense right quick here. Okay, okay. Um, this is just – one number one, like, when Kentucky lays an egg, they're not – they're just not good enough to win against SEC teams yet. Like when they act, like when we see them lay eggs, Missouri last year, this game in like 50 50 games, they're just not like the only you just got to keep recruiting better. Like you just got to get better players. That's how that gets fixed. So, like, this is going to be a thing. You just got to, and you got to hope you lay the eggs at the right times in the schedule, too. And so that's why it's important to just keep, like, keep raising that recruiting ceiling. But offensively, like, if Levis doesn't, get better these last whatever games. Now he's still got Vandy, New Mexico State. Louisville's not a good defense. So he's still gonna have his, you know, stat build he's still got his stat building opportunities that he hasn't gotten to play yet. But like if he like it's that's not good. It's not good enough. Like you can't you can't have that. You got to be better at that position. Long story short. So um there's still a lot to be figured out on this offense, I think. Like they need better quarterback play. Um 
it just has to happen. And with the portal, that's always an opportunity to enhance that every year if you have to do it. And so, like, there's a lot to be fixed, I think, on this offense. I think it's clear this scheme, Nick, is a lot – it's based on that wide zone and play action off of it. They can't run it right now because it's not a strength of Chris Rodriguez or this offensive line. I think it's probably twofold there. Mm-hmm. He needs probably more reps in it. Offensive line needs more reps. You know, you kind of got to do what you have to do. And so that puts him in a bad situation. And then, you know, I don't think Cohen really wants a quarterback that's going to that, – that can really run it a lot outside of scrambles. But he's got one that can. And so, you know, you got to kind of figure out stuff this season. So, like, last week was a Liam Cohen game, and, you know, the Florida game was it, you know, two, and it was kind of the same issues that Eddie Grand offense has had, like in big spots where you just need to score a little bit. Yeah. Couldn't deliver. You know, you can't go out there and score 10 points. And it's the first time, you know, to, to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. First time playing some wonky-ass defenses, too. But, uh, yeah. Still, yeah, I mean, there's still there's a lot of ball left to be played, but yeah, there are, and, I think and, there's questions. There's legitimate questions that loom over the team uh, moving forward. And, Specifically, that the court. I mean, we can talk about receiver. Like it's obvious that receiver is an issue. Everybody knows it's an issue. Um, I feel like I'm the only one talking about Keaton Upshaw because that's exactly what they need is a guy in the underneath that if they're gonna if they're going to bracket Wandell going deep, they could hit him across the middle. And that would give them three legitimate receivers if they had him with Ali, Wandell, and Upshaw. And three is a lot better than two is what they have right now. And they they were with one for two games there. Um, so they are missing some guys, but you just got to get – like, Lewis has just got to be better. He can't – like, the Mississippi State and well, Florida games, and they just it, can't happen. Right, right. And the thing was that I was so – like why I think a lot of folks were bullish on Kentucky's chances because he had been playing better. He was taking gradual steps forward, even against that yeah, Georgia. Yeah, two good and, games together against LSU. Yeah. Gets logo teams. One's really good. The other one's not so good. Right, right. And he, he's going to need to play another one this weekend against Tennessee before we move on um, because I, I, I want to uh, burn through the defense kind of quickly because I really – we got to talk about our friend down at Florida. Yeah. Uh, we got to answer some recruiting questions. And we've got Maxion, but defense first. Like it. Would you like to tell folks why uh, Kentucky didn't play press man, or do we even need to go over that? I think our listeners knew. I think um, our listeners knew well enough that I like guys going into the as game. Long, as long as Mike Leach is going to be at Mississippi State, this is how Kentucky is going to play them, and it's the right way to play them. You, but what? What really jumped out to me, Nick, is like in this matchup, you're just going to have to have corners. Like last year, if you turn on the tape, Kelvin Joseph, Brandon Eccles, and even Dort, they all made plays, competitive plays. Eccles got off blocks. He tried to fight the entire Mississippi State team on the oh, sideline. It was a personal matchup for him, you know? You know, uh, Kelvin had a big interception. He had another. He had a couple other good plays. The, that, that outside, you, those guys have to make plays because in this matchup, like – if he's dumping it off to the running back, if they're handing it off, that's what you want. Yeah. Because then every, the stuff down the field is not working, is not open. But you got to get up and you got to come make tackles. Kentucky's and run that, defense was yeah. actually, I think, pretty good overall. Um, you know, they're in light boxes. Mississippi State only had a 33% rushing success rate as a team. So overall, though, those numbers were good. It was just 
you know, the corners got to come up and make plays. And they corners just, they just poorly. didn't. Yeah. They were, the corners were so game. bad. All three of them had a pass interference call. Yeah, it was bad. Will, it, and then it, you it, add in Will Rogers. He made some throws now in tight window zone coverage that if he's making those throws, you just got to live with them. I tweeted one of them out down the middle between three defenders on like an 18-yard dig. He just put it – like that ball could be literally in like a 12-inch window. And he, he put it in there. So, like you guys – like and then he throws a fade. That fade he threw that was, really was incomplete. Like yeah. he hasn't – he's missed that throw all year when I've seen him outside of the goal line. And he just he, like right on the money. So like there is well, some of that, um, but that's how you have to play Mississippi State. They're going to get yards. You have to no plays over thirty yards, Nick. Yeah, they were just they were the, the, with how efficient they were. They were they were under six yards per play, which is pretty crazy with how often they moved the chains. But you just have on third down, you got to find a way to get stops. In your corners, like you got to, those guys have to. I think it's like moving forward. That's the most important part of that matchup. You got to get off blocks, got to make tackles on the perimeter and you got to be able to cover. Well, especially really took advantage of Kentucky's cornerback. You mentioned the third downs. Um, If uh, I should have pulled up this stat when I was thinking about it, but a lot of seven to 12 on third down. I'm sure that a lot of those two were, uh, so their average distance to go, it was actually six yards. I thought it would be bad, but um, they were four. Second and long. They were like, every time they were in second and long, they would, Gain 18 yards, it felt like it did make a third and short. And that really, that, that hurt. Yeah. And a lot of those were, you know, gains of three or four that turned into nine and 11 yard gains. Yeah. I think if Brad White could go back, they probably synced a little bit more on those situations. I think he wouldn't have done that. But you know, six of six from down defense from four yards and in, you know, like they didn't. That's force. what I'm saying. You just, you have to figure out a way to, like, they're going to be yeah. in third and three. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's kind of what you want. You just got to figure out a way to get off the field on the in those situations. And they, Kentucky just didn't. It was a bad, you know, it was a bad day on defense. There's like we can hammer the offense all we want, but you know the defense had you know some issues. Like and situationally, they they were beat pretty bad. They outside of the three and out there at the end of half, I don't think they really played complimentary football. Like it's thirty one seventeen. You know, we have to get a stop now. They let Mississippi State get a couple first downs, let them get some potential field position on a punt. It was a bad punt. That's why it didn't look as bad. But you gotta, you got to get stops like that. And if you undercut a route and you get two hands on it, you should probably catch it. You know, it's just you yeah. got to – and they're yeah. not forcing any turnovers. Yeah. And that that is a huge concern. They're not forcing fumbles. They're not getting their hands on the ball in the air. Yeah. Two games in a row, Stetson Bennett and Will Rogers, not the most talented quarterbacks, but they just lit their ass up <laughs> twice for career days. You know, you got to tip their hat to those yeah. players somewhat, but then you have to look at the other side. Like, why is this happening? Like, what's going on here? Man, not great. Not great. It was, uh, it was a bad, good-for-nothing game in Starkville. That place stinks. I like it. Just go ahead and but say it's like, They play like that every time they go down there. I mean, House I just – I don't I, I, like. Was they're gonna have Oklahoma to go down there and sacrifice in. something. Get get Mississippi State off the damn schedule. I will say, shout out to Kentucky for scoring an offensive touchdown in the third quarter. It took seven quarters for a team to score an offensive touchdown over the last two games uh, since Leach got there. So, man, really, uh, really weird game. But we got to move on, and we're going to move on 
right after this. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, I need to ask you a question before we discuss Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Volunteers. How important is recruiting to your football program? Uh, pretty In the SEC, it's kind of the lifeblood. Oh, there we go. Lifeblood. That's all you got to say. It's the lifeblood of our program. But what did Dan Mullen say? Uh, kind of the opposite. It's we'll, we'll talk about recruiting when it's recruiting time. Isn't football recruiting time like Again, every time, every he's day? Trying to be, he's trying to be like Urban Meyer and control the narrative, like bully media in Florida. Like he ends press conferences when he wants to end them. He can make a player's unavailable available when he wants to. He's not he going to talk about recruiting. But he, he doesn't also doesn't get out like Urban Meyer and recruit like a madman. Right. He's he gets he's a Steve Spurrier, damn or Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer mixture with the worst qualities of each. And I always like all this whole year, I was like, they'll, they'll just get to eight and four, reset, they'll be fine. He'll make some staff changes. Yada, yeah. yada, yada. But now it feels like I don't know if this is going to work. Well, the problem for me is that, like, he, he very well could have. I know, like, the record right now is 7-9 against their last uh, – against it, the, the most recent Power 5 opponents. Like, it looks really bad, but the back end of the schedules it is easy. You should be able to win out. Yeah. And all he has to do is just give those canned answers and get the hell out of there. Like, just yeah, – the PR is terrible. Floor. Right. Just weather the storm. But this is like, not acceptable. We we we're get, right now. We need to get through the season. We're going to win some games, and then I'm going to reevaluate everything and make some decisions after the season. It's just so easy. Like you, you can throw Grantham under the bus. Like I just don't know. Like his one big criticism, his the biggest critique is not being able to recruit the best of the best, the elite of the elite. And I kind of got into it with TJ. He's like, well, they've got top 10 classes. It's like, well, I don't think Dan Mullen's ever signed a five-star recruit though. And when you're comparing that to Georgia, it's not like doing it. 10 is a lot closer to 25 than it is three. Yeah. Like it's, especially when you're comparing it to Georgia, it's kind of like Louisville's recruiting with Patino and Cal's recruiting like Cal was light years ahead at number one. Louisville still had like tenth ranked classes, right? But it wasn't it wasn't even close, you know. And it got him to where he was cheating his you know what off to try to make it happen, and it got him in trouble a bit. 
Like that's what Mullen is. He's stuck in that cocktail party snake eating itself. And Smart is just really, really cranking the pressure up on him. And right yeah. now he's he's being exposed that he can't handle the pressure right now. Well, unique job, Florida. Um, no fan base in the SEC, maybe outside Alabama, has more um, requirements. You got to score points. You got you to gotta be fun. You got to recruit well. You got to do this and that. You can't be boring. Um, and no has been spoiled as much as them outside of Alabama with the run they had with Spurrier and Urban. Um, so like that, the bar is super, super high there. Mullen walked in in a good situation because they had Muschamp and McElwain before then. So he had a good four year run here, but the recruiting stuff has finally caught up with him. He's been stubborn, hasn't made any chances and just the media stuff, his PR is bad. It's, it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, and part of I it love, just thinks like, damn, Mullen, just go to Nebraska, dude. Just go there. You're going to be able to easier recruit the offensive line you want for your system. You know, go find a – you know, you, we know you can find quarterbacks. Get a quarterback go, named Martinez to be able to run the ball. Hit they the got, transfer portal for some running backs. Find some defensive coordinator, pay him a million dollars, and you can go eight and four, and they'll, they will love you there. But – you know, and you can be a snob because you bring them back, but it just that's not going to work at Florida. And it's just and remember the NFL stuff that leaked out last year after the season, and oh, and all of the jockeying he did to try to get an extension. It was, yeah, there was, um, yeah, there's just some there's some warning signs down. There. But Florida has that effect on. I mean, McElwain like <laughs> went nuts. He was humping a shark, saying, you know. You know, his family was getting death threats. He was, like, on fine bomb saying, you know, people are threatening my family, like, trying to kill us. And Paul was like, huh? <laughs> did all that – did, like, that whole stand at Media Days, you know, and everybody oh. asked him about it, and he was, like, very defensive about it, the shark, and then he gets fired in the middle of the year. And so then Muschamp – like, Muschamp was a golden boy at that time. And – just totally flamed out at Florida. Maybe that's just something with that job. Mike Bianchi, man, he just gets to them all, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, now, Florida's, like, obviously they have a lot going for them, but you never want to be in a situation where you're burnt, burning and turning through three coaches in a row in 12, 12, 11, 12 years or whatever it is. Like, that, that the stability there, you know, that starts catching up with you. Um, Would love to see it. Yeah, but would love to see it. I just oh, it's man. been crazy. It's, the it's fall. also funny. It's, it's more evidence to the if Kentucky beats you. If you're in the SEC and you like Kentucky beat you, that can just it can just spiral your coaching career. Pruitt well, last season, uh-huh. Spur we've seen Spurrier. Yeah. Barry Odom got beat repetitively by Kentucky. Derek Mason repetitively by Kentucky. Mullen loses, you know, two out of four to Kentucky. Like whenever if they if he did get fired this year, they would talk a lot about the recruiting, but one quiet point would be up. Well, he didn't beat Kentucky, and you got to beat Kentucky if you're at Florida. So Mark Stoops, it's just like the Kingslayer over here. Oh, love Jamie it. Lannister the Kingslayer knocking out every bear. Instead <laughs> of his army, he lost his hair. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, the thing I love too is now everybody is uh, everybody's getting asked the recruiting questions. Jimmy Lake got asked at the. Which, if you've never heard the name Jimmy Lake, he's Washington's head coach now. He got asked about it, it, the recruiting rivalry of sorts with Oregon. He said something along the lines of, 
we were we recruit against schools with more academic prowess than schools like Oregon. So yeah. I wouldn't even consider them competition. So Oregon's president releases a statement. UW is a wonderful school with a great football history. I have great respect and affection for its president, its academic and football program, and its former exceptional football coach, Coach Peterson. <laughs> yeah, like Oregon and Washington is quite like that's a pretty intense robbery. Oh man. Um but like Jimmy Lake is another, he's just wants to be X and O's. He's not really he's not really getting getting deep in the trenches, I would say, recruiting wise, like yes. he should. And Oregon is with Mario Cristobal. Like they're yeah. going, it's an SEC recruiting strategy he's using up there, which is why he's gonna if Mullen left, he's gonna probably be the top target for Florida. And he kind of was if I but, or, or yeah, no, but that like, was Lake was trying to take a shot, like a, a rivalry shot at Oregon, saying, you know, we're a better academic school or whatever. But people don't want to hear it. They don't care. Like, no one, like, no one cares. Like, Nobody cares. Literally, people going to – they don't care. They want to beat Oregon. So, get better players. Man, so funny. Um, speaking of funny, guess what we've got tonight, Adam Luckett? Best time of year, man. Return of the Mac. Yes, it is. Return of the Mac. Oh, God. And, folks, the best thing to do for your Maction is to roll out some prize picks and play. And that's exactly what we're doing tonight. Look it. You've got a pick. I've got a pick. We're going to win some freaking money watching Mac football on Tuesday night by playing prize picks. It's, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Download the wonderful app, Prospects app, or visit prospects.com. Sign up using the code PERSONNEL, and you will get an instant 100% bonus on up to $100 on your first deposit. And let's tell them who the winner is going to be. I am sticking with a former Wildcat. Toledo running back Bryant Kobach, over 88 and a half yards for the Rockets, rushing. Lock it in. Lock it. Who's your pick? Staying in that same game, Eastern Michigan versus Toledo tonight is the big game. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Ben Bryant, former Cincinnati quarterback, over 232 passing yards. Oh, man. Um, Toledo, Eastern Michigan, um, significant the game there there in the MAC Should be a pretty fun one. The Emus the are nine-point underdogs at home. Huh? I thought it was at Toledo. Is it not? Is it a Eastern Michigan? I don't know. You said at the Glass Bowl. Oh, the factory. Yeah, I get yeah. Glass Bowl. Get your Mac, get your Mac stadiums right. How did I get them wrong? Man, <laughs> I, I apologize to all of our listeners out there. I apologize to Prospects. Uh, your product is excellent. Use the promo code PERSONNEL. Uh, download. Get on the action tonight. Because I, I've got to get my stadiums better because we're going to be watching WKU in action here in the near future. Right? Yeah, the Toledo-WKU rivalry is one I've been jonesing for for my Bowling, whole college football existence. Bowling Green State going to Bowling Green? It, regionally, um, Middle Tennessee and WKU, it's not like – especially for WKU, it's not yeah. too, super far to, to these places. I was they're going to be playing on Tuesday night. And WKU fits in because the crowd attendance is not great there. Nope. So playing some games on Tuesday and Wednesday won't be that big of a deal. Neither is Middle Tennessee State. That's yeah, a weird Tennessee, stadium. Yeah, that no is. one ever shows up. You would think no one went to school there. Yeah, but it's like the biggest school in the state. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Um, but I, I think all in all, it, like the, things were looking pretty dire. This lifeboat that they've extended out to Western and Middle Tennessee helped because 
Sun Belt, they were both schools were previously in the Sun Belt. The rivals were like, all right, we're getting the hell out of here. We're going to Conference USA. And almost as soon as they did, the Sun Belt stock rose. Conference USA was falling, mm-hmm. and the Sun Belt wasn't going to take them back. So yeah, for, well, the Sun Belt actually went out and like brought in good football teams instead of well, CUSA was just looking for markets. Right, right. And that imagine not, that, that imagine which one ended up lasting. Exactly. So the Conference USA, it's essentially falling apart. But Western Kentucky's going to the MAC. We've got MAC football tonight. We've got it tomorrow night. Um, a month of football in November where you just got it on your TV at all times. Play with prize picks, whatever you do. It's going to be great. Um, you should play with it this weekend, too. It's an available in a ton of states. You can play it whenever the Wildcats are hosting the Tennessee Volunteers and luck at things seem bad right now, but things can get good in a hurry if you take down your rival that's um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Feisty, maybe? You plucky. Know? Plucky, yeah. They're a plucky rival right now because they can score some points and they have a good quarterback, and that that's always dangerous against a team that can score on some big plays. They're definitely one of those teams on Saturdays that – Whenever you check the scoreboard when Tennessee's playing football, you never know what it's going to be. Um, they could be beating Missouri by 50 points. They could be losing to Alabama by 40 points, or they could be a close ball game for a quarter or two. You don't know what you're going to get out of this offense, out of Josh Heupel. Um, the last time Mark Stoops faced Josh Heupel, it was the most dominant defensive performance in the history of Kentucky football. I do not care how old you are out there. I to see that team shut down that Missouri offense and go three and out for nine straight possessions was unlike anything I've ever watched. Kentucky doesn't. That was actually Derek Dooley, I think. Uh, was it? Pretty it was sure. Drew Locke. Yeah, but. Do- was it? Dooley got him in his last season. And like, that's the reason Locke stayed is because they brought an NFL guy in. Damn it. Yeah, you missed it by one year. Oh, God. <laughs> he was UCF's head coach. They ran the table 12-0 and 0 and then lost to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl 2018. I thought that was the year. But Kentucky beat him in 2016 and 2017. Yes, both wins. Stoops was beating Heupel a few times around. I love Stoops trying to think about when he coached with Heupel too, which I'm sure it's easy to forget because Heupel does not look like the same person that used <laughs> to coach with Mark Stoops. Yeah, my man's packed on some LBs. I met him. It's game season, you know? I met him. Just ball uh, coach. <laughs> Look at the cornerbacks were challenged quite a bit in Mississippi State. That's going to happen again this week. Can you just describe how it's different and yeah. why well, why Kentucky fans should and shouldn't be worried? Yeah. Going I'm very interested to see how Brad White matches up. With them, I'm going to try to go back and watch that 2016-2017 game um, when Kentucky played them, just see how they kind of matched up with them. Because, like, big splits by the offensive line. A lot of times their receivers are in stack, and they're pretty much, like, as far as you can get without being out of bounds on the sideline. Um, So just create a lot of space, and then they try to – with all that space, they try to sneak and run the ball on you. And then the added element with Hendon Hooker is giving them QB run, which is something Hypo's never really – this is the first time we're really seeing a heavy dose of QB run um, with his offense. And uh, Hooker's just been awesome for them. 
he's probably the third best quarterback in the SEC this season behind Corral and Bryce Young. Um, since he's taken over, Tennessee's plus eight in the turnover margin. In all six starts, they haven't lost a turnover battle yet. They're scoring 37 points a game. And to me, the matchup is all about run it, the running game. Like, you can run the ball on this Tennessee defense. Um, giving up over 200 yards, I think, three times to teams. Even South Carolina had a good amount of success running the football. And QB run is something, something they've really struggled with. Matt Corral had a huge day over 200 yards on the ground. Emory Jones had a huge day on the ground. And so that's really what it comes down to. Like when Tennessee, when the when their run game gets stopped, um, that's when they can have issues on offense because they don't want to throw the ball more than 25 to 28 times. Like this is not, let's go out here and pass it 45 times spread. This is a run first spread. And then they want to sneak a guy behind you and try to hit a deep shot off the tempo. Um, and really the, the communication issues, three touchdowns, two against Alabama, one against Florida, they got just because yeah. um, there was a bad communication issue there and a guy busted wide open down the field and Hooker hit him and Milton wasn't hitting the shots early in the season. So really the game to me, can you force Tennessee to throw it more than 30 times? If you do, I think Kentucky wins. If they don't, it's probably a Kentucky loss. Um, and then offensively, you got to be able to run the ball. I think Will Levis, you got to be willing to, for him to run it. Um, but this is defense is not Kentucky matches up a lot better with this defense than they have the last two. So I think they're going to have more success on offense because of that. Maybe a good game for get Rodriguez healthy and ride him for 25 carries and then sprinkle in about 10, 12 rushes from Levis and then just hit on a few pass plays. But the game for me a lot is just the, the running game and in turnovers. Like you look at the numbers, Kentucky's minus 12 this year, last in the country, Tennessee's, plus eight with hooker in the lineup just try to play that even get that even uh win the the running battle and i think you should should win the game but they put you in some dilemmas on defense and so can you stop the ball with a lighter box can you stay in your cover three looks or do you have to get out and, and play more you know cover one man up more you know i'm interested to see how kentucky kind of lines up and plays them Saturday. Mm. A lot of cramps are going to be happening. Oh, Kroger love Field. the cramps. 35-degree cramps. <laughs> um, Tennessee, people are floating out this cold weather storyline. Love it. Like, there's the Hendon Hooker stuff, which yeah. they wrote about today, yeah. Tuesday. Love it. Just, um, I, I, which is going to be like 35 to 38 degrees with minimal wind in that, like – you have, like, if you wear your cold weather gear plus a blanket, no one's getting really cold in there. No. Like, it's not, like, that's not – wind is what gets you. Um, yeah. So, like, they're yeah. floating the storyline. Like, I don't know if this offense is going to work. Like, build – it's almost like a built-in excuse. Like, it's not, like, going to be anything crazy. Oh, so you're but, heading off their excuses at the pass. I see what you're yes. doing. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm not good, good buying call. that. I I will say the video. Like, I don't want to, if Kentucky goes out and wins by 14, I don't want to hear anything about the weather. Okay. Okay. Now, what if I told you that the weather could let us get some Joe Milton at Kroger Field? That, I want to see Joe Milton try to hit <laughs> Nicholasville Road. All right. Yeah. I, I, I want to see Joe Milton in person. So badly, because who knows what the hell that wild card Can he break be. a window at Greg Page Apartments? Dude, he is like he, <laughs> he is like Danny Clark 
to the eleven thousandth degree. I mean, it is it is incredible. Like I, I, still, I mean, he's Happy Gilmore on a football field. It, it's incredible. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. I mean, it or like if Jameis Winston could not corral any of his talent at all. He's like <laughs> Jameis Winston before uh, he had what's his name Chubb show him how to putt or whatever. It may yeah, be. I'm getting yeah. like I cannot wait to get in the box and watch him warm up. Just to see, because I am mesmerized when I watch him throw the ball oh, because man. it looks beautiful. Like I could see why anybody would buy into that. And like, well, let me get a, let me try to mold him. Oh yeah, like I can be the one that tames it. He's that yeah. wild bucking bronco that like yeah. that cowboys like. There's old Messi. We've been trying to get her for years, but nobody yeah. could ever take. I mean, it, yeah, because like you all, you need to read it the next post, but like pretty much, Hidden Hooker gets um spasms when it gets cold i mean he's shaking on the sideline like his dad had like the same thing he said and like yeah the clemson game is gonna be it was a lot colder i think because the wind was blowing that that night december stadium in the mountains you know yeah so i mean he was yeah he was literally shivering non uncontrollably on the sideline couldn't handle a snap i mean it was it was bad um now i i don't i don't think like i'm not relying on that to be the case um, but it is like I, I think it's music to your ears, though. We got some football weather. This is made for oh yeah, like, that bruising physical style of football. And if Mark Stoops is early, we comments are any indication like Kentucky's going to run the damn ball against Tennessee. He's sick of yeah. It's shit. a run for I, it's a run for two twenty plus game. Mississippi State was not that. This is this is you know uh, this is man up and let's play you know man ball. This is that kind of game. For you know, it's a Kentucky's offensive line, two not great performances in a row. They should be pretty motivated. Um, we've seen them in the past. This is kind of when they really play their best after a couple crap games. You know, Rodriguez, I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I think he's playing through some type of injury. Um, but I think at this point, you kind of just got to hopefully whatever happens, he's gets healed up a bit. And you just have to ride him. Yeah, yeah. And, like, please, QB run it, man. And I also think, like, <laughs> if you do that, like, just let – I think it might help Levis just kind of settle in. Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you there. And it also gives the – You know, he's going to be fine in the cold weather. It's a great kind of card to the, like, how you get your team fired up kind of card. You generate some almost, like, artificial momentum with like a big Will Levis run, you know, like the Kroger field feeds off of it. You get a blue white chant going, um, you know, it's going to be good for them to be back home. You haven't had a home game in almost a month. So uh, I, I, I'm excited because like as downtrodden as we feel right now, you see that orange color and you remember how much you hate those good for nothing. You know, what's from Tennessee, you get your blood boiling a little bit. You watch Kentucky kick their teeth in you get fired up, and that like you can still really put yeah. an exclamation point yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, like it's a good matchup. Like I think any team could win this game. Obviously, both teams do about the same stuff well for the most part. Um, big feather in Kentucky's cap is they do limit explosive plays, and Tennessee kind of lives off that. If you know, I think they could struggle if they have to go on long, methodical drives against this Kentucky defense um, because this offensive line they have is not very good, in my opinion. 
Um, Cade Mays is their best player, and he's pretty banged up. He missed the last two games, I think. I think he was taken out of the Ole Miss game, and I don't think he played against Alabama. So I'm not sure what his status is. Heupel is worse than Stoops, Nick, when it comes to giving injury information. <laughs> and that's why. So you I don't eat, Heupel was... won't even give you a we'll see. Yeah, which surprisingly, as tight-lipped as Kirby is about his media stuff, he is candid about injuries. Yeah, he does. He does the old Rich Brooks, I think, where he just starts his press conference with it and yeah, gets it out of the right. way. Um, but I, I just looked up the long scrimmage play stats. Tennessee second in the SEC, twenty-one plays of thirty-plus yards. Mm-hmm. Kentucky second in the SEC, seven plays of thirty-plus yards. Defense, so, yeah, defense, and that's yeah. top. That's top ten. That's like top ten nationally. Right, right. I, you say second, it's behind Georgia. You know, yeah, like but. Kentucky's yeah. defense is very good about keeping everything underneath. You just can't have – like one of those busted coverage touchdowns is going to be one too many against this Tennessee team. And, yeah. And you, you almost you gotta, want to Well, you have them. to make – you have to – like we talked about Kentucky stylistically. Like Mississippi State was fine because they're a ball control offense, Mississippi State. Tennessee is not. Um, it's all gas, no breaks tempo. They want to score fast, get explosive plays, and that's all they're really worried about. You got to make them play your game. So you need to get to where you're dominating, you know, time, really time of possession and total plays where you're moving the change. You're getting more first downs. You're eating up clock. You're leaning on them on their defense, getting them in a hole. You're keeping that offense and them on the sideline. Um, especially, you know, that's where cold weather can kind of have advantage. Like if that, that offense is used to go, go, go fast, 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 and they're over there staying on the sideline for a long time. That can help you. And, man, you're kind of due to win the turnover margin. Like, <laughs> they're due to get, you know, three takeaways just by dumb luck at this point. Oh, man. Like, they're due for a fumble to bounce their way. Or a tip pass to go right into somebody's arms, you know. Right. Like, uh, or a Joe Milton just throwing it right to you, you know. Uh, man, really want some Joe Milton in my life. Mm-hmm. And they've seen Milton before, which can't hurt, I don't think, for the coaches. They've got some tape on him. Um, especially, uh, you know, kind of against their kind of scheme, even though he's in a totally different scheme now. So that can't hurt. But we'll see. I mean, Kentucky, though, they're backed into a corner, man. Two games yep. a row you've lost. Um, you're, they're a wounded animal right now. Um, while Tennessee, like, they're four and four off two losses, but they're kind of getting patted on the back a lot down there. You know, they had a week off. Um, now they're kind of – now that you see it, like Kentucky got beat, like it's kind of – you know, around them, it's going to be like, we're going to win this game, beat Kentucky. I think they could really – like, I think the opportunity is there to really for Kentucky to come out pretty fired up and mad and get get a lead early, and then you get Kentucky, Tennessee playing in your type of game um, where it's in between – you know, just kind of a, a boxing match. You got them on the ropes, and you're just kind of slowly jabbing them, jabbing them, jabbing them. Um, that's really, I think, Kentucky's recipe in this game. Get Tennessee in their game, run the football – and then force them against your big play defense to throw the ball over 30 times. And then hopefully if Hooker has to do that, we haven't seen him do it all year because they've been able to stay in that 24 to 28 kind of window. If he's able to do that, do you see them take more risk? And do you see him? He's done a great job protecting the football, but if he gets in that situation, you could see him force more things. And that's when you could get a turnover game changing type stuff. I think that's kind of the game for Kentucky. You got to make them. It's a style. It's a stylistic kind of whoever, determines the tenor of the game probably is going to have the major advantage. Well, hopefully, uh, and then hookers last game, 
against Kentucky is a lot like this next one. Yeah. And he more of a blowout. He didn't have a great passing game, but Virginia Tech's running game, which was kind of their weakness, kind of killed Kentucky that game, which was a surprise. Yeah, that was annoying. But, hey, Lynn Bowden said – But I will say, Tennessee running back Tyon Evans is probably the biggest key to this game. He's been awesome this season, but he's having a hard time staying healthy. Um, And then their second running back, Jabari Small, is dealing with – he's playing through a big shoulder injury, so he has been pretty ineffective the last few games. Um, If you can slow down Evans, um, Tyon Evans, I think he's number eight. Yeah, number eight. You're gonna Kentucky's gonna have a really good chance to have a big day because if they're slowing that down, they're able to play coverage in the back end. They're not gonna give up big plays. They're not gonna play. They're not gonna man up um, them like Alabama and Florida did to create big plays. So then Kentucky was really gonna have a good opportunity. So slow down, Tyana. It's really the running game. Just whoever's establishes that, I think is gonna have a great great advantage in this game. Man, should be a good one in a chilly Kroger Field Saturday night. Chilly weather, football weather. Lucky, are you going to be wearing the wide receiver gloves? I might be bringing those out. <laughs> oh, they When Harbaugh came out, man, I ain't going to lie, I got a little fired up when he was putting on the receiver gloves walking out on the field. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> this is it. Oh, football weather's here. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the 11 personnel. We hope you enjoy this football weather. And a little prize pick, some action tonight. It's been a joy. Enjoy the Cats getting back on track against the Tennessee Volunteers. We'll see you next week right here on 11 Personnel. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 